Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 78. Today, I am hanging out with the inspiring Amber Lillystrom. Amber has been through a lot of stuff in her life, and she has learned the way that you can craft your story into your message and to really take the hard stuff that you've been through in your life and turn it into something super meaningful that will change lives. I'm so excited to hang out with Amber today. One of the biggest questions I get asked is, how do I share with what's really going on in my life in a way that won't turn off my potential clients. And so Amber is the expert in that. And I am so thrilled that I get to introduce you to somebody so truly incredible. Her story will bring you to tears. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Shannon Kutcher, and today I am just really, really thrilled to introduce you to an amazing woman. I know I start every show like that, but every single guest on this show is just an incredible human being, and Amber Lillystrom is no different from the rest. I met Amber just a few months ago, and we were just like kindred spirits. There's no other way to describe how we connected, but Amber is a branding and business strategist, a writer, a speaker. She is a mother. She has done some really, really big things. And I just feel really honored to give her the opportunity to share her story and to talk through kind of what she does and how she got to where she is, which is an amazing place to be. And so first off, welcome to the show. Oh, Jenna, thank you so much. I am so, so beyond honored to be here with you today. 
Well, I'm just excited we get to hang out and everyone gets to listen in to our conversation. (laughs) These listeners are lucky. They're like hanging out at our coffee dates, which happen to be virtual. So before we dive in and talk about content and branding and all the good things, why don't you just kick off and share your story? Because your story is just going to touch so many different people. And I want to know who Amber Lillystrom is and how you got to where you are today. Oh, well, thanks. So I am a wife and a mama of a almost four-year-old little girl. I'm a soul sister. I am a dreamer. I am a former division one athlete and collegiate athletic administrator. And I'm just, you know, someone who tries to be as courageous as she can possibly be all the time. And, you know, some days that looks like just putting on yoga pants, right? And <laughs> just getting in the chair and, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, hitting record maybe or doing a Facebook live or something. But it really has been that theme of courage has been something that has gone through my life all of the days, really starting from the very beginning when I think this is an important part of the story. And I know that this is a story that I promise that I will always share. And so I'm going to share it right now. So when I was almost my daughter's age, three and a half ish, I was sexually molested. And that was a, a big moment for me in my life, because from there, it required me to go to the court systems and tell my story and stand in my truth when there were many, many adults who were were judging me and doubting me and disapproving and saying that I wasn't telling the truth. But yet my parents always believed me and stood behind me. And I was so blessed and fortunate to have their support in that way. And so, you know, I had to learn what the word courage meant at a really, really young age. And that served me in so many ways because it one, it, it really helped me stand in my truth to get the protection and support that I really needed and know that, Hey, if I could do that at age five, then there was, you know, really nothing in my life that I couldn't do. And so that was the beginning of my journey in this life. And from there I became a soccer player when I was about 10 and soccer really was my first love. It was my passion. It was what I poured myself into. It was where I learned so many incredible lessons as an athlete on the field. I know Jenna, you were a diver. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you know, like that conversation you have with yourself when you're training, when it's like the early mornings and you're alone on the field or in the pool or doing whatever it is you're doing, trying to push yourself to get to that next level. That played a significant role in my journey of really learning about my own limits and my own potential And so I did that. I became a division one soccer player. I became the captain of that team. It was like, I just kept systematically setting these goals for myself and challenging myself and just saying yes, you know, to the next thing, next thing. And so when I graduated from college, I had this opportunity to become the marketing coordinator for the division one institution that I played at my alma mater, the university of New Hampshire. And it was literally my dream job. I remember reading the job description. It was like, I got to manage the mascot program and the cheerleading team. And I got to go on the ice and do all of the promotions. And I got to have an intern team that I managed. And I got to like craft this whole program called it the cat crew. And I, I just got to like really put my hands in the clay and learn about marketing and branding and human psychology and behavior and how to get crowds excited and how to get people, you know, turned around and buying tickets with really short timelines going from, you know, regular seasons to then playoff games and needing to sell, you know, a certain number of seats for NCAA guarantees. And I learned so much and I just completely immersed myself in that job, in that experience. And then when I became a mom in 2013, I had a near-death experience with my daughter's birth. And 
I just had this incredible clarity. And you know, we were just talking about this before we hit record. I stopped breathing in the operating room. And in my moment of true surrender, I surrendered to love and to gratitude and into the realization that no matter what was going to happen, I knew my daughter was going to be okay and that I was going to be okay. And I was just so grateful for all the love that I had received in my life up until that moment. And I truly surrendered to just pure gratitude and love. And in that moment, I could breathe again. And my daughter was born. And I was just, I was a different person. It was like, I had this new awakening, this new understanding, this new connection with what I had known I had wanted for so long, yet was not allowing myself to step into. So I loved my job. I loved what I was doing in my corporate life, but I knew there was more. I knew I wanted to be doing this. I knew I wanted to be having this conversation. I knew I wanted to be working on my book. I knew I wanted to be helping others, but I also knew that the only way to get there was by going first. I couldn't teach something that I hadn't experienced. And so I made the decision eight months after Ani was born I was back, obviously, at work. I was working super late nights on my business while my daughter was asleep. My husband was working the night shift as a police officer. And I just, like, struggled through building this website and figuring out what the heck an opt-in actually meant and how to, like, do an automation and how to do all these things and how to create an offering and a service that people actually wanted to buy that they needed. And I just went through this process of, like, really, like, noticing what the former version of me needed, but didn't have and started crafting offerings that spoke to what she needed. And I just kept like changing the iterations of that as I've grown in my business. In May of 2014, I had one client, I gave my notice. By the time I left my job, I had four clients. And it's just been, you know, it's just kind of grown and grown and grown from there. And now, you know, I have all these programs and I obviously do some high end one to one, but mostly my mastermind, my academy program, the podcast. I have a live event that I do, the summit event that was sold out last year. It was the first time we did it actually in May. It was incredible. It was like my Tony Robbins moment. <laughs> and <laughs> and now just this past month in July, we retired my husband from his police career, his 11 year police career. Now he's working in the business with me full time. And I have a team and I get to meet amazing women like you who literally I have just admired. And I'll tell you, and I don't think I told you this in person, but when I was relaunching my brand at the end of last year, I was going through rebrand with my photos and just like the look and feel of my site and all this. And when I email my photographer to say like, this is how I want, you know, my stylist, like, okay, here are my brand muses. You were one of them, Jenna. Oh, that means yeah. so much to me. Yeah, you were. And I was just like, who is this woman? And where, you know, like, I just love the way you're just so truthy and so real. And I know the listeners are all like, yes, we do too. We love Jenna. <laughs> and so, so that's, you know, in a nutty little shell, that's like how we got to today. It's insane. And it, you know, one of the coolest things that I love is that your story has, and I I mean this and you'll understand what I mean when I say it, I guess, is your story has so many places where you were the victim very truly and very honestly, but those things are not your story. They are a part of your story, but they're not your whole story. And I think that there is something really interesting. I was just talking to my mom the other day and we were talking about how You know, the more that you meet people, the more you realize that everyone has garbage and junk and hard stuff in their lives. And you are given this like sacred opportunity to either play the victim or to stand on top of that story and say, this is not who I am. This happened to me, but it's not who I am. And I think that your story is just such a testimony to that. And you now have this hindsight and perspective of looking back and saying, 
I can see God's hand in all of this. Yeah. It doesn't mean it was good and it doesn't mean it was fun and it doesn't mean that it didn't hurt really, really bad, but there was purpose in that. And I think that that is one of your gifts and your superpowers is showing people how to find their purpose. So talk to me a little bit about what being a branding and business strategist looks like. Yeah. So I took what I learned in collegiate athletics because obviously it's really all about, you know, building a brand that people have a heart connection to. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. one of the cool things that I love about collegiate athletics and sports in general, but collegiate athletics have a really special kind of like innocence about them in a way, you know, where especially like a mid-major institution like UNH, where we're not at the top, top level in football, but we have a very successful team and we have this diversity and we're kind of like this blue collar institution where we just work really hard and have had a lot of success. And so what I noticed really helped us to be the most successful was culture. You know, it was really like celebrating community and culture and tapping into that. And the places where I had the most fun and the most success is where I created traditions that really helped amplify the culture there. And so that was a just a huge learning opportunity for me to bring back to the work that I do now with entrepreneurs and helping them create a culture that is based upon their core values and who they really are. And I say all the time that my belief about branding is that it's our sacred opportunity for us to be who we really are. And, you know, your brand's a perfect example of that, complete with yoga pants and mac and cheese and dogs and your beloved husband and all the things that you're doing. Like you are being you in a successful business that is impacting lives in a dramatic way. And that to me, literally, like I could just weep, you know, for the joy of that, because at the core of it, I was a little girl who grew up believing that there was something wrong with her, that somehow that she was not enough, that she, you know, could only receive love in a conditional way, you know, truly. And I only learned how to do that to myself. I, I did not know how to love myself. I literally did not know how to love myself until I was in my thirties. I could, those words could not pass through my lips saying, I love myself, that was not true. And I had to really work at that. What I have found is that I attract many clients that have that same challenge. And I, and it's such a gift to get to help them find themselves through their sacred work in the world and to surrender into being who they really are and to have that moment of realization and clicking in to recognize that they're so much more powerful when they give themselves permission to be who they really are. That's incredible. What kind of exercises? I mean, I think that, you know, we are all so complicated humans. I'm like (laughs) raising my hand over here, like complicated human alert. Like, yes. What sort of exercises or things can you do with people to like give them that permission that maybe they've just been waiting for or to really like bring out that passion for themselves and their stories and their lives? What do you do? So I have a couple different things. One of the exercises that I love to do is what I call my brand story mapping process. And I really help them connect the dots of their life together to help them see how they've been led to this work. And I help them understand why they are the person that has to serve in this particular way. And so Mm -hmm. we go through this process of like really mapping it out and having them see the pivot points on their journey about when they've chosen themselves, when they've abandoned themselves, when they've, you know, finally said enough is enough and how it's all connected. And I really, really, truly believe that when we are, you know, doing the right work in the world, when we are, you know, making a right living in very much like in Buddhist principles, when we are coming from 
the place of like our deepest truth, we will be of highest service. And, and then when we are coming from that place, then we will reach, you know, true abundance and connection. And also like, if we're going to get into it, like transcendence and, you know, enlightenment and like, whatever, we're going to go to heaven, Mm -hmm. you know, like whatever your belief system is, it doesn't really matter. It's you like coming into that place of true fulfillment. And then Jenna, and this is what like makes me the most excited is that we then operate in every realm of our life, more peace-filled, more joy-filled, more service-based. You know, we are, the divorce rate in the country goes down. Our children are better taken care of. You know, the homicide rate goes, like all everything changes when mm-hmm. we take personal responsibility for how we're showing up in all aspects of our life. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. A hundred times. Yes. Like, <laughs> I think that it's so hard as entrepreneurs because so often we're rating ourselves by what we're doing or creating or titles. And it's so hard to connect all of the aspects of our lives because I think we've gotten so good at compartmentalizing things. And you and I talk about this a lot is it's like, who am I today? Am I Jenna the wife? Am I Jenna the dog obsessed mom? Like, who Uh am I today? And I feel like a lot of times we don't give ourselves permission to just be. (laughs) Yeah. And isn't it cool that through branding and creating an online business, you can actually weave everything together in Mm -hmm. a way that is like the most comprehensive, you know, method of sharing yourself with others, because that's what our ideal clients are craving, you know, really, truly. And that's why they're attracted to us. It's because we are showing up real and we are, you know, sure. We all have those Instagram moments, but you know, as I was saying to Amanda Bucci that I was interviewing on my podcast earlier today, like, she shows up, you know, sister puts Mm -hmm. herself out there in ways that are like, woo, you know, she just goes for it and shares those truthy posts. And that gives people wings. Yep. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit about pivoting. Yeah, (laughs) because pivoting is something we've both done a lot in our lives. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are really afraid to pivot. And when I say pivot, I mean, like changing directions or changing paths. And you used to be a photographer. (laughs) I'm, I'm going all the way back. So talk a little bit about like transitioning from that into what you're currently doing. What did that look like? How did it feel? And how did you kind of make that leap? Well, you know, I started with photography in the winter after my daughter was born. And so it wasn't that long ago yet. My parents were professional photographers. My mom actually had work that was published in like Powder Magazine, like the cover and all this. So she was, they both are prolific photographers. They don't really do it anymore, but they did the whole, like, you know, they had the whole black and white film and the, like the actual film and the dark room and the whole thing. And So photography was kind of like always a part of my life. Like I still have some photos my parents took like on my walls here. And it's just like, they're so such sacred images for me because they just tell the story of like my parents before they had kids and like the way that they Mm -hmm. lived life back then in like the seventies, you know? And, and so it's just, it's really cool. And so when I picked up a camera, actually my husband was, I bought him this camera. I went and got it from his first birthday. It's like, you know, pretty expensive little camera for just like a birthday gift. But he was really into doing like still life photography and stuff. And I said, okay, I'll just get this for you. And then I picked it up once we had our baby and I just started snapping her. And then I was realizing that my work was people were really liking it, much like your story. People were like, wow, can you take pictures of my baby? And can you do our engagement photo shoot and all this? And I was like, sure. Okay. So then I booked my first engagement photo shoot for $150. I actually, the camera I bought for my husband on the day of the shoot stopped working 
in a snowstorm. I drove to Best Buy and bought a Nikon. I'd never shot with a Nikon before, but I was like, this is what I want to have. So I went and bought this camera. My husband is like super techie. So he taught me how to use it. I was like, just get it. And like, at least so I know the one setting I need to change. I didn't know what I was doing, but I crushed it. I had this incredible shoot of these, like this couple. And then people were just started booking me. So then I just started booking and I was like, okay. And I just started doing weddings and lots of babies and engagement and kids and families. And I was just really enjoying it. And I was doing this while I had my corporate job still going on. And I was kind of like fitting it into the nooks and crannies and also then launching my coaching business in the spring of that next year. And so I was like Cirque du Soleil and doing all of the things. <laughs> but then, you know, once I got into my coaching business, I realized like how much I really, truly enjoyed it. So I think I did photography probably for like another year-ish. And I remember this one particular moment being at a wedding and just feeling like, I don't really like this. And feeling, you know, because I'm someone who lives in total truth and integrity all the time. Like, I, that's like into my fiber. I can't, I feel like, you know, like Jim Carrey and Larry Larry goes, I cannot tell a lie. Like I literally feel like that 24 hours a day. And so if there's like anything that's out of alignment inside of me, like I'm very, very, very uncomfortable. And so I felt like, oh my gosh, this is their most sacred day. And I don't feel all in on this. And it was like very dramatic within myself. You know, I'm like, okay, Amber, you can do this. So I shot the wedding. They were super happy. But right after that, I just decided I wasn't taking any more weddings because I thought, you know what, if I don't like love this, and this is their most special day and they have like trusted in me to do that, then that doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, just kind of, you know, just transitioned out of that very naturally still did like some baby. Cause I love to do baby shoots and stuff and my daughter and all that. I still like love picking up the camera, but now it's like, a, it's love versus being something that I'm getting paid for. And so it just feels much more fun and fulfilling to like take pictures of my nephew and my best friend's new baby and all that. And then you know, I can really focus on what I love doing the most, which is my coaching stuff. So, you know, except for that moment at the wedding, I just really like kind of was naturally transitioning and being pulled by what felt good along the way. Were you ever afraid of like changing that identity? I mean, we can dive into identity by times a million, but was that ever a scary transition or did you just have faith? Like, you're like, I know I can do other things. Like if I'm leaving this behind, I'm okay to like take that out of my business and still survive? Well, two things. So with the photography, if I'm being completely honest, I always felt like a fraud. I always felt like I wasn't really that great and that I didn't really like understand the mechanics of photography. I just felt like an artist. And so Mm -hmm. the parts that were hard for me were like the technical settings of the camera. And when there was crazy lighting or something. And like, if I had to use a flash, which I was like, please, no, I never want to use a flash. (laughs) That stuff was hard for me and it overwhelmed me. And then it made me feel like a fraud. And so that's like one piece around identity. Right. And so I just kind of had to like shoot my way through it and, and just like learn the best that I could. I remember like I went and like took lessons with this guy, like one summer while I was doing shooting. Cause I was like, I just need to learn more. And he's like looking at my work and he's like, what do you mean? You don't know how to shoot. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I get confused. So can you just teach me? And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, more way than you think you do, which was really powerful. You know, like you don't have to like, like wrestle this to the ground. You do already mm-hmm. understand it. Like, look at what you're doing. So I think that's one really important piece to say to people is like, we are so hard on ourselves. We are harder on ourselves than any other person ever possibly could be. And when we give ourselves the grace, it's just like, it's so much more freeing. And then the other piece was when I launched my business, I launched my business as the brand love coach. So it was like brandlovecoach.com. And I remember 
my coworkers being like, Oh, congratulations. Like you're making this transition. And they're like, do you have your card? So I had like these little cards I made up on moo.com. It said this little like logo, like brand love coaches, little heart. I was so proud of them. But the truth was, was beneath the surface. I really wanted to be Amber Liliestrom in my business, but I was too afraid. And I was afraid of what my colleagues were going to say thinking, oh, you're this associate athletic director, like you've reached really, I was pretty like high height in that industry. And now all of a sudden I was walking away. It was my, my coach saying to remember that her saying, you're going from being a somebody to a nobody, Amber. She was right. Like nobody knew me online. I had no brand, anything built up. I just launched this little Squarespace website of brandlovecoach.com. And I had my one client then I had my four and It took, I think, two months into doing that. And again, like integrity alert, integrity alert. I had to change it. I I was like, this isn't working for me. I need to pivot. And so I pivoted. I got a photo shoot. I relaunched as Amber Lillisham. It felt like a million and one dollars. And I just realized like, you know what? The parts of me that are concerned about what my old colleagues think, like that's going to kind of, you know, diminish over time. And obviously it has. And, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't have been able to know that, right. Or if I just stayed safe behind brand love coach, when it wasn't really in alignment with how I wanted to be operating in my life and business. Drew and I just had this conversation and I feel like you're going to totally relate, but we were talking about his business and kind of how he's putting himself out into the world. And it's funny because I'm like, babe, like you got to share like more of like you and your transformation. And I mean, you look amazing. You have a six pack, but like why and how did you get there? And he's like, I just feel so uncomfortable doing that. And I'm like, that's because you're envisioning like your three friends who always give you crap for having a six pack, like making fun of you. Like you are letting three people's opinions who genuinely support you. They just like to tease you rule dominion over your 8,000 followers or or whatever that is. And I think so many of us have those, you know, critics in our head and they might not even be real. It might just be perceptions. Like we're worried about what people perceive us as, but I think so many of us are held back because of that. Like, how mm-hmm. did you get beyond that? Cause I know for me, it was just really hard. I'm like, I know my sister's going to read this and she's going to roll her eyes. But in reality, she was celebrating with me, but in my head, the story and the narrative was very different. Right. And we create this experience that then really stops us from being vulnerable and from sharing what is coming through. And really, I mean, I believe is divinely led and guided. You're like, why would that download be coming through for you if it weren't true? Right. You know? And so I think for me, I wasn't really like in a place to to say those words back then, you know, because I didn't have the full faith in myself yet. I really had to like just put one foot in front of the other. But what I knew was all of the people that you admire and all the people that you're, you know, putting on your, your vision board or you're, you know, pinning things about them or something. And you're saying to your photographer, like, I want to, you know, have my photo shoot be similar, like energy of what Jenna's got going on. That means that I probably want to be a personal brand, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it was just like really putting two and two together on that. And then having that insane courage and just saying, you know what, this project feels so much fun. I mean, I'm a graphic designer. I've been doing that. I was self-taught through my corporate career in collegiate athletics. I was like designing all the posters and I did all the marketing collateral and the whole marketing division of that department. So I learned how to do that. And when I was working on my logo, I had so much fun designing that. And then, you know, taking the photos and building the website and all that. It was like, if this feels this good, then this can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. Isn't it crazy? A lot of times I feel like we push down our gifts because we're worried that we're not 
equipped enough or trained enough or whatever. And it's like, if you look at your mentors, a lot of them have figured it out along the way. Like they never had permission. They gave it to themselves. So what has it been like as you've kind of settled into yourself? Like, how do you feel different? How is your brand different? How is your business different? Uh, What an awesome question. Thank you. So I have this little piece of paper that I cut out and printed with my little color printer of Wonder Woman. And I'm so grateful that that movie came out now, like this past summer, because Mm -hmm. it has just like, I mean, I remember sitting in the movie theater. I went and saw it two times. And literally just weeping specifically at that like battlefield scene. I don't know if you, did you see the movie? I haven't seen it yet. So it's so powerful. So just add that to the list, but there's this battlefield scene where they basically say to her, so it's like the, you know, it's, this is world war one and the Germans are on one side and then the, you know, the other, sorry, I'm not really that great with the history stuff. The two competing forces are across the battlefield from each other. And it's, a mess, you know, and there's like a mother holding her child and crying. It's a very, very emotional scene. And she, the guy that she's with says like, you can't go out there. You know, it's no man's land. You'll get killed. And she yells back at him and she says, well, if nobody's got to do it, then I am. Someone has to do this. Someone has to stand up for what's right. And she goes up into the battlefield and she has her like little metal cuff things on and she's like ricocheting the bullets and she's got her shield and they're like shooting cannons at her. And I remember this moment where he goes, she's taking all the fire. And then they come up and they like, you know, sort of like flank her and support her. But she literally like goes through all of the fire, this woman. And it's mm-hmm. like deeply emotive. It's like Mixie Cry just talking about it because it, it's, I think about women like us and the women before us and the women before mm-hmm. them and how difficult it has been on their journeys. Like my mom could not have had this business you know, in the same way that I do, yet she did have her own photography business. And then the stuff that happened for me as a child went down and she sold it to be there for me, to protect me, to make sure that I had what I needed. And it's like, crazy. and I just think about that. And I think about like my, the legacies that we are leaving for the girls behind us, for our daughters and for their daughters and all that. And how like, I just really believe that we're like all these light workers on this crusade to really, you know, lead with love, like to really bring more love into this world, because that's what the divine feminine actually is about. And that's what our energy in our businesses are preaching. Like we're preaching love because the more people can honor and love themselves, the less they're going to want to do harm to others. Mm. Amen. I mean, it's one of those things where I think you can relate is like a lot of days it's like, who am I to do this? But then it's that same exact moment. If I'm not going to do this, who is? And I think that a lot of times we forget. And especially when you have your head down and you're just doing your work. And I think both of us are just in this place where we're being pulled in a lot of directions. And so we have to be very intentional with our time. But I think that a lot of times we forget like those lives behind the screens, like the people reading the posts, the people impacted. And yes, we get emails and really sweet things. But a lot of times it's like you're just publishing to publish. And I always have to like check myself at the door and be like, there is purpose in this. Like there is intention in this. And if there's not, you shouldn't be hitting publish anyways. Yeah. And I always, you know, I close my eyes before I even think about what I want to write. And I tap into the energy of my tribe. And I think about, you know, what, what do they need to hear today? You know, like, what do these hearts, what are they craving? And what do they need? And what did I need? You know, because I am 
the former version of me is my ideal client. And she mm-hmm. felt lost and she felt confused and she felt like insignificant. And she felt like, you know, she was pushing a boulder up the hill with this big vision and this mission and this knowing, but literally having no idea how to take the next step. And so it is my honor to get to show them how, you know, this is how, this is how I did it at least. And you can take a page out of this book and a page out of Jenna's book and a page out of somebody else's book to create your version of that. And also I think that it's like, I am the champion of others missions. It is a gift for me to get to see into the hearts of people. And I think that that's a gift that my mother instilled in me at a very young age was this deep understanding of compassion and empathy. And the experience that I went through at a young age, you know, I forgave my abuser at a very young age because I realized, and my mother helped me with this, like me holding that grudge was only going to do more harm to me in my life. And it wasn't going to help him. It wasn't going to help anyone. And so I had to release that really, really early. But I think it also helped me to really operate in life with a deep sense of compassion. And I think the world just needs more compassion. And if Mm -hmm. I can carry that forth in my business and really help others recognize that there is a place for compassion in business and in growing something that's profitable and that makes a really big impact. It's a really important part of what we do here and really at the core of it, why we do it. Can I ask you, when did you start becoming comfortable in sharing your story? Really good question. So I kind of sprinkled it in, I think within the last like two years in my business, I've been in business for three years. So probably a year into operating my business, I mentioned it here and there on some interviews that they were like a really deep interview. But last year in November, I had the opportunity to stand on stage and share my story at this benefit for an organization called Haven, New Hampshire that I support here. My family supports financially and, you know, at events and things like that. And I got up on stage and I told my story publicly, like all at once for the first time. And it was hard. I had to read it because I was emotional sharing it. And it was too hard for me to just try to ad lib it. And I got on stage and I, it was a very full circle, cool moment because not only did I share my story on stage and inspire other people to feel courageous in sharing theirs, but I wrote a check and I made a donation from my business, from the women in my academy And every enrollment goes towards supporting charities that are really important to me. There's a percentage that goes towards them. And so I wrote this check and I said, and as I finished my speech, I'm so honored and excited today. Like, and it's this moment, Jenna, where like the little girl version of me was also handing that check over. Mm -hmm. That is like insane. And the whole room of people were, you know, they were in tears and they were moved they started writing checks and giving donations. And we raised like, I don't know, $15,000 or something that night, an event that they thought was going to be like a $5,000 night. They were like, I don't think, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 this is going to be a big event tonight. And there were teachers raising their hands saying, I only have $25 to give, but I'm just so moved. I want to do that. And then as the night progressed, I was getting ready to leave. And this moment will stay with me all the days of my life. There are these parents that came up to me and they said, we support Haven and We just want to say thank you for sharing your story so courageously tonight. Our daughter, Caitlin, was sexually molested, and we found that out when she was 25 years old, when she unfortunately took her own life. Oh, my gosh. they said, you know, they just said, please promise me, Amber, that you will never stop sharing your story. And so I share my story. I share Mm -hmm. my story because there are people listening to this podcast right now, Jenna, that need to hear this, and they need to see somebody who has 
you know, thrived through it. And yes, there were lots and lots of hard times. I had an eating disorder for 15 years. That was me like trying to diminish myself. And I understand that, you know, but I did the work because I knew that there was so much more that I had to live for. And there was so much more that I want to share with people. And when I chose to rise, it's like, look at, look at so many lives have been impacted because I chose to rise. Isn't that crazy? It, I mean, it's just something that I think is really hard because I think a lot of people have gone through really hard things and knowing like when it's appropriate to share and how to share it and how to like, I mean, it's just one of those questions that I think we'll always ask ourselves, but I think that there is so much power when you're just like, this is part of my story and I am at a point where I can and share it. And I, I want to get this right, but I remember somebody saying, and I can't remember who it was, but it was like, don't show your wounds, show your scars. And so there are definite situations in life that like you need time and space from and the ability to process it without any, you know, external opinions. But I also think that there's something so beautiful and powerful when you can do it and know that it's changing lives. Yeah. And also you just get the benefit of like your own continued healing because Mm -hmm. it's a continual process. Like it never stops, right? Like a scar is always kind of doing its thing. You know, I've got lots Mm -hmm. of them. I had surgeries. I had a C-section, you know, I've got all kinds of crazy scars on my body and, and also like heart scars. And I love that. And I think, you know, I did, it's important to say this. I did therapy, you know, I committed to that therapy work and I've done lots of coaching and just a lot of like personal healing work around that trauma in my life because I needed to, you know, because there was a lot of dysfunction that came as a result of it because it was like me, you know, separating from me and feeling like, you know, I couldn't be who I really was. And I think when it really boils down to it, like we're all just walking each other home, you know, this Mm -hmm. journey is really about coming home to who we really are. That's what I say is my tagline for my work is helping others come home and helping them respect and learn to love and to try softer, like my friend Rachel Camfield says, and to tap into the tenderness of being yourself. It's so powerful and it's so hard to even put words to it, isn't it? It's like, I'm sure you're like, I know exactly what I do, but sometimes it's hard to. So how would you recommend, I mean, like I know for me, my brand has just been this giant evolution. Same for you. How do you recommend people just approaching if they're like, okay, I know that my business is just a business. It's not a brand yet. What kind of tips would you give them as places to just start to explore and to start really thinking forward as to what a real brand looks like? Oh, I love that. So I would get curious about, you know, how do I want to make people feel, you know, and, and really tapping into the senses that branding evokes, right? Because you and I both know like branding in and of itself, it's not something you can actually like touch. It's, it's a sensory experience. It's like how people feel as a result of engaging with your products and services, your digital persona, all of those pieces. And so how do you want people to feel? Do you want to feel uplifted? Do you want them to feel like they really get it, that they understand? You want to have them feel motivated? You want them happy? Like, what do you want them to feel relaxed? You want them to feel safe? Like, what do you want them to feel? What is the predominant vibration of the emotions and feelings you want them to have as a result of engaging with you? And then from there, like, start playing, you know, start playing. I mean, I love to say to people, 
you know, create a Pinterest board, have fun, like just pull things together. What colors make you happy? What fonts make you happy? And if it doesn't work, that's okay. But at least you just threw spaghetti at the wall and you tried to see if it would stick. I think the biggest mistake that so many entrepreneurs make is they hire the designer, they hire, they put all this money into it. They're like, build me a brand. And yet they don't even know who they are yet. And so you have to allow yourself to play because you and I both know, like, that's where the magic happens. That's where, where the design creative artist part of you, even if you don't identify as an artist, though, if you're on this podcast, you probably do since you've such an amazing creative audience, but I just like get into your natural element to play. And then I think the other piece is like, test it out on social media, you know, start an Instagram feed, play with it. How does that feel? Start telling some of your stories, start being creative with the way you're using photography to match it. Whatever that is for you. Maybe you're somebody who is like, oh, I love doing Facebook lives. That's really fun for me. Then do that, you know, but give yourself a little portal, a little platform to kind of test the waters out and allow your creative spirit to soar. And in the process, you'll realize that you actually, you know, start telling your story in not just a word way, but also in a visual way, maybe an experiential way, depending upon what your products and services are. And from there, you know, you start to get more momentum around it. People start to understand it. They start to have those good feelings. And then before you know it, it's like the thing lives, it breathes, it exists. Absolutely. And I think too, a lot of times people feel like a brand is just this one thing, like they're going to define it today and that's what it's going to be. And in order to stay on brand, they must never change it or whatever. And it's like, no, like just as you are always evolving as is your brand. And it's like, you've got to give it space and room to grow and evolve and change alongside of you. And, you know, I feel like brands today, people make them feel like they're like trapped in them. You know what I mean? Like, this is my brand and I need to stay on brand. And, you know, everything has to be this color, this writing or whatever that looks like. And it's like, no, like you're creating this brand around you. So just as you can change, so can your brand. Mm -hmm. Amen, sister. So what are you working on right now? I know you're working on a few big things. So before we sign off, I always love to hear like, what can we expect from you next? What are you excited about? So what I'm most excited about is my mastermind program, which is going to be it's operating in a sort of ongoing capacity. But I am this month, mid month, we have our in person retreat coming here to the New Hampshire seacoast. So Portsmouth, New Hampshire, right on the harbor. And it's just Oh, I just love it here so much. And so, you know, and I know you're totally down with doing that too and bringing people to where you live. And I just love being able to pour back into my state and my economy here and like helping businesses here by bringing people in to show them how amazing it is in this place I've chosen to work and live. And so, and then of course, I just love being in person. I love, you know, just connecting with the hearts of people in person and taking things offline which is just, you know, I mean, like the online thing's incredible, but being in person is like a whole nother level. It's like, I can't wait to see you in mm-hmm. September at, at Lewis's Summit of Greatness because I just want to be in person with everybody. Yeah. So, so I think that's the big piece. And then really just getting things moving with the team, you know, as we're expanding, as Ben's now here, we're growing our team and just getting things kind of operating like a well-oiled machine and allowing me to really get into the places and spaces of, coaching the way I really want to coach, you know, in an even bigger way. Cause I am a coach. I love to coach. I love to get in there with my clients and help them break through the stuff that's holding them back, helping them get that clarity and that direction on what inspired action steps to take. Like, I just, I love helping them connect the dots. So doing more of that 
coaching in that group capacity. And then also just content creation, you know, having more spaciousness to do content creation because I launched my business when my daughter was eight months old and my husband was working full time. So I've only actually had in-home support between my daughter and, you know, the business for about one month. And so I've been doing this whole thing all along as a full-time work from home mama and, you know, running the business at the same time. So that is a whole new world. I feel like cue Aladdin. I'm like ready to just like spread my wings <laughs> with Ben on the carpet, you know, and be like, okay, she's at preschool. What are we doing now? And, right. You know, do some videos and podcast stuff and just really allowing the creative juices to kind of like come in and marinate and help us create what's next. That's so exciting. Oh my gosh. There's just so many things. And something I love about you too, is it's like, we're doing a lot of things, but we're still seeking balance in that. And I mean, it's like when one thing is firing, one thing's on the back burner. And that's like the beauty of it is like, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And, you know, we like to do everything. So it's really figuring out like, how does this actually work? And like, how can I do and create all the things I want to create while still chasing balance? And so I feel like whenever I see what you're up to, I'm like, yes, I'm with you. (laughs) And I think it's just like, remember to remember why you wanted this in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. that really was all about family for me. I wanted to be fully present for my people. And I also want to make a huge impact, you know, on the lives of others through, you know, making a huge impact on my own life. And so I just like every single day reconnect and recommit to that. And when I look at the list of stuff, it's like, well, that doesn't fit on the plate today. And we're going to move that back. And also I created structures inside my business and my offerings and my programs that really work for my life as a mama of a little one. And that means that like launch cycles are kind of like right at this moment are not really what we're doing. We just have an ongoing sales process and my programs really support that. And I'm very present in all of my online programs and in the groups. I really love that. And so I think that's just one last tip. It's like, is your business actually working with you? Is your business actually supporting your priorities? Or are you trying to fit into a formula or a structure or model of like what someone else is doing that doesn't actually complement how you operate best and what your life needs you to be, you know, doing and honoring? Absolutely. And I think that's what is so cool too about education in this sense and having different guests. And just as you know, with your podcast, it's so awesome to give people different perspectives. And I think my biggest takeaway is that there is never one path. There is never one way. Like we have all gone very different directions and yet here we stand. And you also don't have to know it all to teach. Like you just have to be one step ahead of the audience and willing to open yourself up for that. And so what a beautiful. beautiful demonstration of all of that. Oh my gosh. So Thank where you. can everybody find you? Cause they're all going to hunt you down now. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Come on over. So the website is just amberlilliestrom.com. So come on over. And then I love Instagram so much. So I'm just at Amber Lillestrom. I do Insta stories every day of my zany life here on the lake with my family. And also obviously on Facebook, Amber Lillestrom and my podcast well, Jenna, it's the first official announcement of yes. the <laughs> the shift that I'm making. It's called the Amber Lilliestrom Show. So Oprah, watch out, girlfriend. Um, <laughs> We're coming. Step, stepping into the owning of the name and owning of me. And I'm just so excited about this next chapter and launching this next season of the podcast. So find me over there. 
Awesome. Oh my gosh, guys, go stalk her. What an amazing, amazing just reminder and example that you can use your story to change lives and that you can come into yourself and your own and really make a giant difference. And Amber, you, my friend, are doing just that. Thank you, Jenna, so much. I love you and I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold-digging dream chaser, you. <laughs>